Exactly. <laughs> so, dear, tell me what's occupying your mind in the world of positive psychology right now. What's got your attention? Um, the idea of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Why it's so powerful. I've heard you say connection is the antidote to shame. Empathy is, but yeah, it's one and the same, I guess. How's it one and the same? If you're empathizing with someone, you're connecting with them on some level. Connection's a really broad term. That's why I like to use it. So when you're connect connecting, you're empathizing? I didn't think so. <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're empathizing with someone, you're connecting with them on some level. Okay. Okay. Because I've heard you say that connection is the antidote to shame. I think. I might have said it in that video when I was riffing the other night. No, this is like, I've heard you say this several times. I thought so this that idea comes from Brene Brown and from her research she says that empathy is the antidote to shame because I guess it could be one and the same we're splitting hairs right now connections are really broad term though mm -hmm. when I picture when I think of connection I think of two people listening understanding empathizing in some way potentially so to me, that's one and the same. And if someone had a question on it, I would be able to explain the difference between the two mm -hmm. <clears throat> or what I mean by connection. But in my view, connection is an antidote to shame, yes. We can talk about that in a minute, but I'm curious why specifically connection has got your attention right now. Your mic is on the string of your... Oh. I just figured it was... Yeah, that might be given some interesting sound effects. What was, your question? what was your question? Um, I asked you what's been occupying your mind in terms of positive psych, and you said shame. I said connection. Connection. I brought up shame. We can talk about that in a minute, but what's specifically occupying your mind in terms of connection? Like, why Why connection? I mean, I'm, I've always been fascinated by it, and by it, I've surrounded my coaching practice business around the idea of connection in the sense that I'm I want to help people reconnect with themselves and by extension other people and by extension of that the world around them um it actually in my opinion begs a more um, the word that's coming to mind is spiritual, but I don't have to use that word. More, uh, I guess, like holistic conversation or big picture conversation. The thing that's fascinating me most right now to answer your question is this idea of the individual that makes up the collective and how that's really one and the same. 
which I guess is a, a relatively spiritual idea that <clears throat> reflecting on Earth Day, um, I had a recent conversation with another person in my coaching class. It was a really powerful conversation around the idea that we're that by taking care of the collective, we're taking care of ourselves and mm-hmm. each other, and that's it's all really, really intimately intertwined. Um, <clears throat> that's a more like, I guess, like fluffy philosophical conversation that we can have if you'd like. But specifically, I think this idea of connection, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a, a stream of videos on this on Instagram and Facebook. The idea of connection, breaking down barriers and um, helping you overcome any sort of fear or resistance you have in your life is what's been really on my mind and what I've been practicing that's been really profound in my life recently. Um, the way, the reason this came about is because I was on a mastermind call Wednesday night and we were all checking in and I mentioned a certain fear I have in growing my business and someone else mentioned this idea of courage and bravery and that was kind of a theme of the night in mm-hmm. our conversation and it felt so good to tell people what I was feeling, the resistance I was facing, why I was feeling that way. And, ex- and it, helped, it helped me gain courage in that moment that's lasted days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really powerful thing because those women heard me and they were in or have been in my position so they know exactly what it is I'm facing and what I'm feeling. And having people really understand that makes the whole thing way more bearable because you realize you're not the only person who's ever felt this way yeah that's actually really interesting as you were talking i was thinking you mentioned the mastermind group and how that like connecting with them over this idea like helped you and just makes me my first thought was like yeah those people have all like they know exactly what you're talking about like they've that they're on a similar journey and they're probably experiencing similar things and so it's easier for you to connect with them over that and like share mm-hmm. that bond, which, which makes sense. Like, I don't know, you even like, look at uh, like AA meetings, right? Yeah. Even something like that. Like yeah. those people are all connecting yeah. over a similar thing that they're struggling with. It's a support group. Yeah. It's literally a space that fosters connection over a certain idea. And what's interesting about that too, is you were saying how like you sharing your experience with those women and connecting with them over it like helped you but it totally helped them as well 100 percent. that's the magic of it that's wicked cool it's not even like <clears throat> excuse me it, it's beneficial to share and to be real with people and to be vulnerable it's beneficial in so many ways and on so many levels firstly it helps you get that shit off your chest. Mm -hmm. So this could be just explicitly naming whatever resistance or fear or emotion, whatever, whatever it is that you are experiencing, naming it, getting it outside of your own mind and body is really important. So whether that's just saying it out loud to yourself or in the mirror, writing it down, telling another person, wicked beneficial for yourself. But to, to connect with someone over your experience is really beneficial for a number of reasons. If you're being vulnerable 
it can help strengthen the connection you have with the person because you're able to have a real conversation about it. Yeah. It it takes you out of your your isolation because most negative emotions in that are ego driven keep you in your own little corner of this is well with me, I'm the only one feeling this way. So by getting yourself out of that and connecting with someone, having someone say, Hey, you know what? I felt this way too, or like that sounds really hard. I'm really sorry you're going like experiencing this. Just having someone hold space for you to be vulnerable is huge. If you're vulnerable, it that takes a tremendous amount of courage mm-hmm. to do firstly. So it's like there's resistance in being vulnerable and naming the fear itself. And then there's actually overcoming the fear. So it's kind of multifaceted. But if you're able to be vulnerable with another person, it gives them the courage to do the same. Which is probably one of the greatest gifts you can give someone. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's like it's the same thing of like living the life that you feel like you're meant to live, or like truly expressing yourself, or whatever it is. If you're doing that, those things are incredibly vulnerable things to do. Yeah, and they're difficult to do. If you're doing them, you're allowing people to do that too. It's funny. Uh, I recently talked about this to somebody, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about more in more detail than I. But um, the video of the amphitheater and the guy dancing like crazy, and he's all by himself, and he's yes. dancing like an idiot. Yes. And everyone, you know, I, I imagine people are like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He looks like a moron. But then one other person goes over there. He inspires one person who also starts just whatever. And then all of a sudden droves of people start to pile in. And like uh, the video is about starting a movement, right? Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing where like this one guy was just like, fuck it, I'm doing my thing. And, you know, inspired somebody else like to, to, to go over there and like start rocking out as well. And then like a bunch of other people started to do it too. like. It's a similar mechanism, right? In a way. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Did I tell you about that video? Uh, I think I saw it a long time ago. I know you learned about it in Cap. You yeah. you you re-showed it to me. Yeah. It, it was familiar from something. I can't remember what. Okay. It's the same idea. It takes all it takes is. I think the the video is called like it takes three minutes to make a movement, mm. but the. The thing that I took away from it <clears throat> that we talked a lot about in CAP was in order to be a leader, you need followers. Like your followers make you a leader and you only need one of them. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. As I'm saying that, I'm thinking about how many people follow me on my business page on Instagram. You just think about like in the marketing world right people get like or, or like talking about content not, not even marketing just like people putting stuff out there people are like oh nobody's seeing it nobody's seeing it but like uh i gotta as much as i shit on gary v all the time i gotta give him credit he like i think this was him who was like even if just one person sees it like it only takes one person mm-hmm. to like be inspired share it like it just yeah. or, or or whatever or, or just, you know, have it impact them deeply. They never tell anyone about it, but, like, you made a profound impact on somebody's life. Like, would that be worth it? 
Yeah. Obviously, yeah. In the same vein, I just came across a quote from Brene Brown. This is a lot of Brene Brown's work. Um, I came across a quote from her saying something like, your story could be someone else's survival guide. Yeah. Like, you have no idea what other people are going through and how your words can impact another person. You have no idea. And it's really easy to... That's why I think connection is so powerful, because we're connecting right now over this idea. Mm-hmm. It's and... one of the reasons I like doing this podcast. Yeah. It's, like, a little bit vulnerable to put yourself out there like this. I mean, nobody's really watch it and i don't really fucking care either i think i think it's cool for a lot of different reasons but uh i just think i mean how many times have i talked to you about my reasons for doing this podcast and like sharing ideas because ideas are like one of the most important things we have (laughs) i would say the most important thing we have i mean um you know good ideas anyway (laughs) (laughs) Bad, bad ideas are pretty uh pretty viral in a, bad ideas in a get, negative way. Bad ideas get filtered through conversation. Yeah, exactly. So the conversation, get exposed. the conversation is still really important. Yeah. That's why I think like, and that's why I think like Tim Pool stuff is important. Just like talking about, or any, anybody that has a, you know, wants to analyze something that's like, you know, not just taking in the, the normal narrative that you get from you know, mainstream news and like actually think about it. Actually use your brain. Yeah. I didn't mean to get off on that, but um it's uh I think the idea of your your story is somebody else's survival guide is a pretty cool idea. Like thinking about it through that lens. It's true. Yeah. So how do you think shame plays into it? Well, shame is an emotion that every human feels at some point in their life, to some extent, unless they're maybe a narcissist. But actually, maybe not. No, sociopaths and psychopaths are empathy. Anyway, shame is a really painful emotion that humans feel. Shame tells people that they're not good enough, that they're inadequate, that they're not worthy. So um, things like, I'm a failure. I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? Things like that. That's shame talking to you. Uh, Shame also isolates you because this emotion is telling you you're not good enough. It's telling you you're inadequate. And how could anyone else possibly know what I'm feeling because I'm so inadequate i'm so unworthy it's only me it's it's ego driven like Mm. most things are so shame isolates you in that way and because you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling because you're identifying your character with the outcome of a situation so you're the failure you're so stupid it's not like you did something stupid you're the thing right so it's a really painful and really strong emotion that's isolating you so the way to break that isolation is to tell someone. But when you're in that shameful place, telling someone is really, really hard to do yeah. because you're ashamed. Similar, like if people are, are 
familiar with the feeling of shame. It's very similar to humiliation or embarrassment, though it's more intense than that. So if you're embarrassed about something or if you have to, if you're a really prideful person, you have trouble apologizing like me. It's really hard for me to apologize to certain people in my life. Because I, I don't, I, I'm ashamed of what I did, and it's hard to name it. It's, it's really uncomfortable to do, but by naming it and by connecting with someone over the shame, telling someone you're feeling ashamed, or telling someone about your experience, it alleviates, and that someone can openly receive it, right? So there's the empathy piece, that someone's connecting with you, they're able to put themselves in your shoes and get hold, hold space for you to actually, mm-hmm. you know process and whatever that are completely eradicates the shame and I give this example when I'm talking about it with students that I remember I was having a really bad day one day and it was after the work day it was in the evening and we were both sitting on the floor in our living room and I came over and sat with you and you were like what's going on I'm like what's wrong and I said I just don't I just feel really shitty. I just feel like I didn't do enough today. I just feel like I, I didn't get enough work done. Didn't get as much work done as I wanted to. You literally started laughing. And said something like, yeah, same, join the club. And just was like, it, you weren't laughing like at me. You were just like, yeah, dude, that's life. Like, it's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel so much better because it got me out of my head. Being like, yeah, I didn't get enough shit done today. Same with every other person in the country. Like, it just, it broke, it got me out of that isolated headspace. Mm-hmm. It made me feel a lot better. And I laughed with you and it was fine. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, hearing you say what I said, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm glad it worked out in that scenario, but I feel like it doesn't work out in all scenarios. Well, you said no, it, that's not true. You said it more eloquently than that. Okay. But it was to that effect. But the thing I thought of was mostly irrelevant. But hmm. that's interesting. I feel really, really strongly to a certain degree, you need to you need to share your experiences with people. Mm-hmm. I am not afraid to tell, to sh- like I have, when I'm giving talks to undergraduates at SU with 150 people on the call, faculty and students, I- I'll say during my, like when I was depressed, mm-hmm. or like I've, I've had, I don't think I say that. I think I say something like, I have struggled with, with anxiety and depression. I understand what that's like. Mm. I don't go into detail. Mm-hmm. sometimes I'll tell like I'll use myself as an example like oh yeah when I was experiencing depression I would get really de- I would get really upset over something and then my reaction to the thing would make me more upset so it was a spiral of like you know to perpetuate that I would give an example pertaining to myself to drive a point home that's what I'm trying to say um I'm not afraid to do that I think Again, like there's a line. I think me sharing that is appropriate. I think me going into detail about like the worst day of my life or me not being able to get out of bed. Like I don't think that's necessarily appropriate. Yeah. In that context. But 
I just feel really strongly that it's really important to share whatever struggles you've had with other people. Yeah. Because one, it makes it less of a thing. Like, it makes it more neutral. If you're keeping all these things secret because you're so afraid that someone's going to find out you're not perfect, you're giving those things power. Oh, that's really interesting. Because you, you're not sharing them because you have a certain viewpoint on them. And... Like when you, but when you do share them, you have the opportunity to get a different viewpoint on them. Like for somebody to tell you it's okay, like it's not a big deal. Like you know, you're, you're most days you're not going to get as much done as you wanted to. Yeah. It like, it opens up that idea or that thought for criticism. Where else, like when you're isolated in that shame place, you, uh, you don't have that opportunity because it's it's just you. Like you're the only voice speaking. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily criticize. I wouldn't criticize someone else's lived experience. No, it, but I mean, when I said, "Yeah, join the club," I wasn't criticizing your lived experience either. I was just giving you uh, a different point of view on yeah. your situation. Sure. But without connecting with somebody, you don't have the chance to have the other point of view. So your point of view, you feeling shitty about it, reigns supreme. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uncontested. That's fair. That's that's interesting. Hmm. That's cool. Um, Can I say something else? Yeah, please. In the same way of like naming the thing as neutralizing it. That's one why I don't have an issue telling anyone and everyone that I have had patterns of disordered eating and have flirting on a flirted on an eating disorder for the better half of my life Mm -hmm. because everyone struggles with their relationship with food not literally everyone but a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't have a healthy relationship with food so i think even saying the words disordered eating and someone's like i've never heard of that what is that and then you explain what it is they might go oh wow that sounds like me that resonates yeah (laughs) Yeah. so that's one thing but that's what I just what I'm describing, like naming a thing, normalizing it, neutralizing it, right? That's why I get so frustrated when people don't use the anatomically correct words to describe people's genitals. Like around Explain. around around children. Around children. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. So I feel really strongly that like your your genitals are a part of your body and it's they serve a function and they're important to your whole anatomy and well-being and like you can't really function as a person if your genitals and reproductive organs aren't working. So like your penis is just as important as your arm and we should be able to say penis just as normally as we can say arm because yeah. it's just another part of your body and our society's made it weird and sexualized because to sex organ, yes, but like that's societal shaming around sex. And I also feel really strongly about that. We can talk about it another time if you want. But for example, I was at, you weren't there. I don't know why. I think you were in Rochester. But we were at, we were celebrating Abby's, uh, we we're at Abby's sprinkle at Margaret's house. Okay. And there was some phallic looking candy there. So my, 
I they had been talking about it before I arrived. <clears throat> so I made a joke of like, oh, are you talking about these? And I said, what do, what do you mean? Like, they look like a penis? And everyone got really upset that I said penis and there were all the kids running around. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> your penis is a part of your body just like anything else. Teaching kids not to say the word penis is doing a lot of harm. Yeah. That's not... I wouldn't... I wouldn't and then I get the eye rolls and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I'm just being crazy. Megan's with me on that, I think. But... You like naming it, I like it's it's normalizing it. Mm-hmm. It's really important. No matter if you're talking about your sex organs or depression or eating disorders or schizophrenia or picking your nose in the bathroom, like whatever it is, it's what makes us human, and it's really important to talk about it. Yeah. Anyway. No, I'm with you 100. I mean. Look at, um, you know, even on social media, you've you've posted a few things and you've connected with a few friends because of it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, coming from two people who really don't share much on social media and have had an entire podcast about yeah. what you, you should and should not share on social media yeah. is and isn't appropriate. Um, I don't think we ever came to a real conclusion on that. There is none. But um, I think, and, you know, like... Like you said earlier, you know, you can share things you've experienced without sharing, like, details mm-hmm. and still be able to connect with somebody that way mm-hmm. in that setting. And it's cool. Uh, this is why I always say social media is a tool because it enables that kind of thing, which is fucking incredible. But it also enables a lot of name calling, hiding behind a, you know, profile picture that's not you with a student pseudoname well, and like, it depends on how you're using it just like anything else yeah so i don't know but it's cool people have the opportunity to do that i'm actually really i'm i'm <laughs> hyper conscious of my relationship with social media as it pertains to my business page and I'm finding there is a direct relationship between my ego flaring up and the amount of times I'm posting and using my social media. It's really fascinating. I'll post something on social media and because it's addictive, I'll post it and then I'll check it several times after i post it oh like you want to see those likes not even like i want to see the likes i want to see well i guess in a way i'm not like counting them but i want to see how many people have seen it and if there's comments and how people are responding to it because it's it's stuff that i really care about Mm -hmm. and i want people to see it not in the sense of like i want the likes but i genuinely want the information to get out there yeah you want to connect with people over it yeah yes so but i'm i'm finding that like the videos that I'll post, I'll watch them so many times in a row just to make sure that I'm making sense and that it's relatable and that I'm not using too big of words that people can understand or mm-hmm. like, you know, using too much po- positive psychology speak. Yeah. I I become not literally obsessed, but in that moment, I'm like a little crazed by my latest post. And then it subsides and then I won't post for a couple of days and then I have to think, oh, I got to post again. And then it's a cycle and I'm noticing that 
you've you've told me that you've noticed me on my phone. Yeah. You that, you, you use the word craze though. I did not. So. Oh, I'm. I'm under. <laughs> I'm. I'm sharing something vulnerable right now. I hear you. But. It's very interesting. I'm sure plenty of people can relate to what you just said. I know, but I'm I'm hyper aware of it. I need to keep it. I need to keep my ego in check. I think it's strange. It's very strange. When you and Margaret were talking about social media and, and posts and stuff on your Instagram page, and, and she was talking about like deleting something and redoing it. No, she didn't say that. She was talking. She She's talking about deleting something. She was talking about deleting things as it pertains to how she wants to be perceived as a business owner, right. which I think makes sense. Yeah, but like you could you could use that argument to delete any piece of content for whatever like th that's a very big umbrella. It's very But she wasn't talking about deleting one thing, she was talking about deleting like 15 posts because they were all a certain type of design that she doesn't want to be known for. Okay. Okay, I see. It wasn't literally 15, but it was a handful or two. Okay. I just I'm of the camp that you got to just like put it out there, just do it, normalize it. So you're not having these ego things over it and like, and making it this, this big thing that mm -hmm. it's really not. Mm -hmm. But if you like, you just step into the batter's box and start taking hacks, like you're going to have a better chance of connecting and hitting the ball and you're going to get better at it quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, um, I don't know. I'd, not to get too into that stuff. I mean, we could, I could talk about social media for a really long time. <laughs> the idea of deleting something on social media is really interesting to me. The thought had never occurred to me until. I mean, I, I'd see things on people's captions, like, might delete this later, or whatever. Like, I feel like that became a, a weird trend of, like... Oh, it's definitely a trend. Posting things and then deleting them. I don't know for what reason. I think it's stupid. Well, I, I, people are hyper-conscious. So they're just trying to sound cool by saying they're going to delete it, so people don't call them out for deleting it? Well, I was more talking about the people that actually do delete things. No, but people would, would caption content and photos saying, like... You know, feel good right now, might delete it, I don't know. So my point being that so many people are doing this, that it's become this, like, like phenomenon, like, that, that yes. people are actively acknowledging, because it's such a thing. Okay, okay. So that, I guess, without it being named, never occurred to me. Ever. I'm I'm not joking when I say the the idea of me deleting something off of my social media page really occurred to me during a meeting I had with someone when we were talking about marketing and repeating content. And she said, well, if it's on your Instagram now and you want to use it for something else, just delete it off of your Instagram. So people only find that on this, in this one spot. I'm like, oh, I can delete things, which sounds so stupid to say out loud, but I'm <laughs> thinking if, if you put it on social media, you put it on social media because you want people to see it. So why would you delete it? Because it didn't get enough likes, Mary Kate. Duh. I am so not built for this shit <laughs> at all. 
So I actually deleted something off of my Facebook group for the first time mm -hmm. I, I, ever because I need I want to use it for something else. I don't want it sitting in my Facebook group when two, two, literally two people saw it. Just bury it. Post more and just bury that shit. So anyway. far down that nobody's going to know. That's why I think doing live content is really cool. Because, like, I mean, it's, you don't have the the pressure of, like, we were talking about writing earlier. How, like, writing is so refined and perfected and every word in that sentence has serves a purpose and has a function. And, like, like good writing is, is um, not when there's nothing left to be added, but when there's nothing left to take away. Like that that concept. It's it's simple and it's to the point and, and drives it home. But like uh it it's very uh it's very photoshopped in that way, right? Like compared to yeah, how it came out of your your mouth or like yeah. occurred into your brain, you know. Um and so that's why I think like this is so cool because you still get a lot of uh cool things. It's very raw and vulnerable. Um, like, I don't know, and, and don't get me wrong, like, there's a time and place for refining and, and making things, uh, precise as well, but, um, like, this just normalizes creating content so much more, and for any purpose, you know? Yeah, I guess. Because, like, you, you... You're you're gonna make mistakes when you're doing it live. You have to just accept it. Right. Like you're you. It's messy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I don't know. You, you get used to it being messy, and you become okay with it. That's what life is. Yeah. It's actually funny you mentioned the writing thing because <laughs> the video I filmed today. <laughs> The transcript of it was hilarious because I bet. <laughs> it was not terrible. It was relatively concise. I repeated when I speak, I repeat phrases. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of cutting in that way. But <laughs> YouTube captioned the video. And I'm not kidding when I say there was not one period in the entire thing. Like, I just had a run-on sentence that went on for three minutes. <laughs> really? Yes. Was that because you cut the clips together so tight and removed all the the no. empty space? I didn't. I didn't edit anything. It was just me talking. Then maybe YouTube just doesn't use periods when mm, it. I those think captions. I was talking either too quickly or not taking enough space between thoughts. I use the word "so" a lot. Hmm. So I think it's just, <laughs> I looked at the transcript trying to find breaks and there were no periods. There was not a single period in the entire thing, which I just found hilarious because I talk very quickly and yeah. I'm on a topic that I care about to really shut up. So I do the same thing. Like my, my brain's going faster than my mouth can say it. Yeah. My mouth is trying to keep up and like, I don't know. It's uh, in conversation, like, I guess it makes sense, but whatever. But I feel like somebody who can talk about something in a slower cadence and really 
emphasize their sentences without having to use all these filler words, yeah. ums and uhs. Like, that's an easy way to tell that either somebody's just got this shit memorized or they really know what they're fucking talking about. Mm-hmm. And, or they're just being thoughtful. But even then, like, there's a... You got to think, their their mind is still going as fast as anybody else's. And they probably have the urge to, like, try to keep up, right? But they're able to slow things down and, like, go through it in a more uh, precise manner, like writing. Yeah. But in a way that's also organic. Like, I feel like that's a, a really good skill to have. You know who's fantastic at doing that and super eloquent? You know who's fantastic at talking? <laughs> no, fantastic at riffing, but talking at a pace that's very easy to follow, very soothing, very articulate. She's extremely elegant, and she riffs on Facebook Lives is Pilar Gerasimo. Oh, really? She's a fantastic speaker. Yes. Is she? I watched a Facebook Live of hers where she was walking. She, I think she had her phone like this, and she was walking. And just got on, hey, wanted to check in. It was the first day of spring, I think. It was a five-minute video. And she's just, it, it could have been scripted. It wasn't, but it could have been. Just so beautifully said. Yeah. So eloquent. So succinct. I mean, she's been in, in PR for 30 years. So she's good with words. Yeah, how, how well known is she? She's got a good following now. Does she's she? making an app. She's making a, he- a healthy deviant app. Really? Isn't that so cool? It is. God, I like. It sounds very unnecessary, though, if I'm being honest. Like most most apps, like for one off things, are just. It's she does not have a one off thing anymore. I'm. She's building an empire. It's I'm, incredible. She has. I'm sure it's great, but like, I'm sure like the company that made these chairs has an app. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need an app. (laughs) Okay, fair. No, but she, I don't know. I haven't done one of her experiences or challenges in a while, but she's got several offerings that are of varying commitments and intensities. So I don't know what the app is going to be about or the content it's going to have, but I'm sure it's going to be very, because her approach is so different. Mm It's going to be more than just like a, a movement meditation tracking app. She, it, I'm sure it's going to be somewhat interactive. Yeah, differentiate, differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Her brain's incredible. I'm obsessed with her. I'm. She's I, got a dope name. She, her, oh, I, I, I will go off on such a lovely tangent. Pilar or Brene Brown? Pilar, 100%. Really? Yeah. Andrew, I met her. She's enchanting. So, you, so you're biased. She's in. No, I'm not. Because I've <laughs> watched a lot of Brandy Brown stuff. Pilar is enchanting. Enchanting. Yes. Like fairies dancing around? Yes. She's just so lovely. She just. She. I've told you before that she's a real human being. Mm-hmm. She is so relatable. She's just. Lives on a farm. Has chickens. Fuck yeah. Like. Living a simple life, trying to have people do the same. That's awesome. But yeah, she's wonderful. She's a genuine human being. She's wonderful. I still have her card. I'm I'm a 
if I oh, I should write her. You look like you got a crush. I'd love her. <laughs> I don't I don't like, that just came out of my mouth like a fangirl. But I would love to to be on her team in some capacity. And by that I mean I would filter her goddamn emails at this point because I would just love to be a part of that. You would watch her emails at this point? Filter her emails. Oh. I would love to be a part of what she's doing. She's fantastic. Email her. her. See if she's good. Yeah, I really? should. I don't know when I'm I think I met her in two thousand must have been two thousand nineteen. Was it or was it two thousand eighteen? 2019 no. was right before COVID. Yeah, I think it was 2019. We didn't go to DC in 2019, did we? Yeah, we did. We've gone twice. It was. Oh, 18 and 19? Mm-hmm. You sure it wasn't 17 and 18? Yes. Okay. Anyway, I should write her. That's actually, that's been on my mind for a very long time. Writing Pillar? I'm in a Facebook group. How many people in a Facebook group? I think a couple thousand. Maybe more by now. I should write her because she's getting more popular by the day. Not popular. Hit her up for a podcast. No, I would just... Anyway. Anyway. Pilar Crush. I don't have to talk about Pilar Jersey mode. What what uh, nationality? What's her ancestry? I don't know. She's Caucasian. Huh. She calls herself a, or I don't want to speak for her, but part of her story is that her parents, she was like raised on a commune, like her parents were hippies and um. She says something like, it's, it's, I think it's in the foreword of the Healthy Deviant book, something like her parents always had taught her to question two things, like one of them is why we live the way we do. I don't know what the other one is. But. Question everything. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. I think. I agree. I want to live a simple life on a farm. Yeah. She posted something on Instagram once being, she got a new combine. She said something like, people get excited about new cars, but we get excited about new combines over here, like farm equipment. Nice. Yeah. I want to live on a farm, but I don't want to have any combines. You want to live on a farm? I mean, like, our small, small homestead farm. Dear, we're not going to have a farm. We're not going to have anything close to a farm. We're going to have a couple gardens and chickens. How do you define chickens. farm? I actually don't know the answer to that question, but I do know we're not going to have a farm because having a chicken coop in a veggie garden does not constitute a farm. And having one cow does not constitute a farm. I do. That's, we're just... definitely we're not living on a farm because guess what I don't want to live on a farm right now so we're not going to live on a farm we, we got to look up the definition of a farm I think sure I don't have my phone on me I so know we're not for right certain now. that we are not going to live on a farm by any stretch of the imagination but like to some de- alright so a farm let's say 
if a farm is just a, a, an area where you grow food, then I would say, like... A farm is not an area you grow food. That means that every single garden ever would be considered a farm. You have a small farm on the side of my parents' house. <laughs> You're out of your mind! <laughs> it's, a sm- <laughs> it's a small, like, 10 by 5 farm. <laughs> the deer fuck it up all the time. <laughs> we'll have a couple veggie gardens in the herb garden. I have food forest, I thought. And some chickens. Sure, isn't it? Sure. Food forest, veggie garden. I don't know. We got a lot of learning to do. A lot of learning I'm excited to do. That'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, well. I can't wait. You don't have to. I kind of do. In due time. In due time. Gotta make moves. Hmm? We gotta make moves. Yeah, I mean, talking to a couple builders. After I was talking to my parents about it yesterday at the lake, explaining that like there's a lot of logistical stuff that we'd have to, we're gonna have to work through. Like, even just something as simple as, like, if we have it built, if we have our house built on a slab, like, I think a lot of plumbing systems go, like, under the floor. So, does our plumbing need to be, like, does the house need to be raised up so you can do plumbing under the floor? You have plumbing in the walls instead? Like, wouldn't, how's that going to work? Wouldn't the builder know that? Uh, not necessarily. Whoever's, I mean, the person who's gonna need to talk about this is the plumber but just little things like that like little not that that's really little at all but things just to keep logistic, in mind. logistical things yeah that, that I'm, I'm thinking about i don't know we'll see i am excited though me too What are you most excited about? Oh, okay. Oh, do you want to be done? Soon. Okay. What time is it? I don't know. It's probably 8.45. How long have we been out here? 45 minutes. We started around 8. So it's probably like... Let's wrap up. It's almost 9. What was your question? What am I most excited about? Yeah. About what? About moving. Living in a tiny small home. On our fake farm. A tiny small home. Our tiny small home on our fake farm. Yeah, just like that. Uh, what am I most excited about? I am excited about having a yard. Mm. I'm excited about having privacy. Hopefully. I'm excited about having space that's really ours i really very much feel like this is our home but i know it's not ours 
um, so in the same sense of that, like feeling settled in a way. Um, I'm nervous, excited about living in a tiny small home. Uh, oh, I just got a chest. Um, I really hope that we can live in the biggest tiny small home that we can know that we've, you know, designed, you've designed. Um, yeah, I'm most, I'm not excited. I mean, I am excited, but I'm intrigued as to how that's all going to go. <laughs> that's the thing that takes up most of my energy when, we, when I think about this is the size of the house. Mm. Worry about it being too small? worried if i was worried we wouldn't be doing it i guess i'm i'm genuinely trying to keep an open and curious mind about it so i i am literally intrigued and yeah. at how our first winter is going to go especially when we get a dog i'm i'm looking forward to it looking forward to having a wood stove you want to have us and... you want to live with me in a smaller space than we live in now yeah i like you you must really fucking like me <laughs> If I were you, I don't know if I'd want to do that. There'll be rooms. I can lock you in one. <laughs> I was actually talking to my mom about how it was so nice for me to have the apartment to myself the day you went to the lake. Yeah. And how we've we've been living together for 24 hours a day, every day, for over a year. Because I've been working from home. We spend all of our time together i mean not literally because we're working separately we're in different rooms but we're sharing this 950 square foot apartment together all day Mm -hmm. every day and you're more of an introvert than i am and you appreciate alone time more than i do so i'm really surprised that you don't either ask me to leave or go to a coffee shop and work or anything like that there are times when i i mean you'll go for a drive yeah but I don't think that's close door. Yeah, it's not the same though. Not always, but gets it done for me most of the time. There is a difference for me between knowing I'm here alone Mm -hmm. and having the door closed. Um, I'm really, 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 really excited to get a dog, Mm -hmm. and I know that's coming with once we move. Not right away, but I'm I'm really, really excited about that. So that might be the thing I'm most excited about in the whole thing. I'm excited about that as well. I just can't wait to pick one out. <laughs> I'm just really excited. Little dog. I know, we're going to get a little cookie. Cookie dog. I cannot believe that Emily paid $375 for her dog. <laughs> Steve said that, and I was like, "Fuck a million." That, <laughs> like, that's like, oh, that's so much less. Yeah, that's so that's much. An order of magnitude less, dude. Yes, it, there's commas less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, allergies suck, man. I would still want to get the dog that we're getting, even if you, you didn't have allergies. I would definitely be more open to adopting one, but I've been wanting this type of dog my whole life. I'm so, I Andrew, I can't tell you how 
much I think it's going to be so good for us as people and as a couple. I am so excited to get a dog and to, to have a dog with you. Mm-hmm. And to take care of it. Yeah. The, the whole experience. But even just to like, when I'm being weird and needy and like just want to cuddle and you're like, no. <laughs> I can just... Sorry, I'm doing a puzzle. <laughs> I, our dog's got to be cuddly because I want to snuggle, buddy. He'll be hairy. Some dogs aren't cuddly, though. Uh, cross your fingers. Who's going to pick it out, do you think? What do you mean? Well, you know, like... Okay, you never experienced this. But when you pick out a dog... You normally you go and you see the at least several of them, and so you get to like see them all interact and like they all come up to you and whatever. And and sometimes there's like this moment where this little guy just comes up to you and you're like, That one, <laughs> you just know he chose me. I'm just who do you think that's gonna happen to? Probably you, you think? Yeah, it might happen to you. It might. Dogs fucking love me. I think they sense your fear. They sense, they sense my allergies and they're like, get him! <laughs> we must <Attack>! turn <laughs> We must turn him. I sense his hesitancy. We must love him. Yeah. Why don't you love me? Love me! Love me! <laughs> See? I do that. <laughs> hey. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, getting a dog is definitely the thing I'm most excited. I don't know what I'm most excited about, per se. I think just the idea of, like, I don't know, having our own space and having our own land and on our, our own, like, area that's that we're not renting, you know? I'm kind of renting it from the bank for a little bit, but, you know, it's... Space we can do what we want with. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I've always been a very minimalist type of person. I think for that reason, I can definitely see myself living in a smaller area. I mean, house. Small area within the house, yeah. Well, I didn't know if you meant acreage. Oh, no, no, no. It's small, like, living space. Yeah, I think, like I've, like I said, um, it's going to challenge me. And I think a lot of different ways, and I, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, the minimal, minimalist thing is interesting um because when you said that i mean i immediately thought of clothes not that i have a lot of clothes but we're gonna have to get scrappy with how we store things and we're probably gonna have to downsize i'm cool with that i could throw out half the shirts in my one shirt drawer right now gone (laughs) so intense I just like throwing things out. <laughs> just like warms my heart to throw something in the trash. 
Or donate it. Donate it. We're not throwing away the clothes. We can no. Donate them. True. Getting rid of them. Yes. I mean, I don't think that's necessary because it's not like you you still have that two square foot bin for all of those shirts. So having that filled three quarters of the way up versus halfway is that really making a difference in I'll space. Get a smaller bin. No, we're not. I'll take those small. shirts and I'll put them on the shelf next to my pants because I just got rid of those and um, now I don't need the bin at all. And then I can use it. Sure. We're gonna get rid of the bin just because you don't need it. I don't know. It's it's the idea being like less things, less space is needed. Like, here's an interesting idea I just had. Like, you really like things to be clean, right? Tidy, neat. There's a difference. But also clean. I mean. I don't like urine on the toilet or food on the counter, like most people. I like things tidy and neat. I don't dust okay. and vacuum every week. So maybe tidy or neat is better because we're not talking about germs and whatever right. specifically. Yeah. I know my tendencies. So, but like when you make things tidy, often we refer to that as cleaning up still. Yes. So on that idea, what do you also call throwing things out? Cleaning out. I like to throw things away too. I like to, to do a nice spring cleaning and turn over my wardrobe and I don't hoard things. I don't hold on to things. But I can list things Items of clothing that I have thrown away thinking, I, I don't wear this, mm-hmm. I'm never going to wear it again, that now I really wish I kept because mm-hmm. I would live in it. This shirt, I almost threw away. And I'm really glad I didn't because I live in it now. Glad you didn't too. So, I, I'm i not as quick to throw mm-hmm. specific, unique garments away. Yeah. Unless it's been a strain of years and years and I haven't touched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, things you just don't wear. Anyway, like I have, I've compared to probably most people, I have like no shirts. But you have a good amount of t shirts. I don't have that many. I bet you I have, I have total, I bet you I have less than 10 t shirts. Long and short sleeve? No, long sleeves are different. But I still don't wear a bunch of them. Have you ever considered having the same shirt in a different color? You can just wear one each day of the week. Uh, no, I haven't went that extreme. Because, like, if the goal there is to wear one shirt each day of the week, like, I already have five shirts. So why do I need to? It just seems stupid to me. Just a question. That was me analyzing your question. Sorry, it was a stupid question. This wasn't a stupid question. It doesn't make sense to me. Is that fair? Yeah. That's fair. Okay. All done now? Yeah. All done now.
Okay. Bye.